Hey, you guys, we found this incredible tool to collect all of the wedding photos your guests take in one convenient place. Yeah, instead of having your guests download an app and figure out hashtags and all that kind of stuff, you can just use Tackboard. Tackboard is an online wedding photo gallery with its own phone number, so your guests can text their photos to your designated phone number along with any message they like. The photo and message feed instantly into an online gallery that lasts forever. You can download your photos right from it. Seriously, it is amazing. And as a lovely listener of the Put a Ring on It podcast, Tackboard is giving you 20% off their regular price. Just visit tackboard.com slash ring. Again, T-A-C-B-O-A-R-D.com slash R-I-N-G. Welcome to the Put a Ring on It podcast, a podcast for anyone planning a wedding that knows the struggle is real. I'm Dan Moyer, wedding photographer and owner of all the coffee gadgets. And I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding wizard and spider murderer. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 27 of the Put a Ring on a podcast. How are you doing, Dan? I'm well, and before we get into all the craziness, I want to have a little vent session. Uh-oh. Not not like a bad vent, but like a good vent. Um something that like I've been hearing a lot lately, and I'm I'm pretty sure that you'll you'll say they're on the same wavelength, is that I've been hearing couples be overly concerned that they're going to do something wrong. Um I don't want to be the bride that um, does something wrong. I don't want to be the couple. Uh, we don't want to be the couple who, you know, has a, a wedding where the guests don't have a good time. Are you seeing this at all or hearing this at all? No, because my clients are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I think it's um, it's a lot to plan a wedding. Yeah. And I've said it before that you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really hard going into that without feeling like you're forgetting something. What are you missing? What are the guests going to think? It's natural. Yeah, there's a lot of assumptions and expectations that are put on you, I think, from a lot of other people. And I think it's... Especially on social media. Especially on social media, especially on, you know, wedding blogs and things that you have to, you know, spend 10,000 hours DIYing all this stuff to have like a perfect wedding. <laughs> and I... I just, again, I want to really bring it back to like what this day is about. Um, it's about family. It's about creating a family. It's about the two of you, you and your partner coming together under one roof with all of your friends and family for a happy reason. Outside of that, it, it's open to interpretation. So whatever you want it to be, as long as it's in your style, stick stick with it and just own it and love it. Um, and don't let anybody else rain on your parade. Seriously, like that is the number one thing I've been seeing a lot lately. Oh, whether it's, you know, whether it's a wedding professional, whether whether it's a, a close friend, whether it's a bridesmaid or a groomsman or a mom, um, don't let anybody rain on your parade. And it's really sad when when I see uh, couples get like a, a week from the wedding and somebody is just raining on their parade and taking the wind out of their sails and then making them second guess everything they've been doing up to this point. Um, and I know this is easier said than done, but um, it's just not helpful to to let that affect you in such a way that it's going to 
adjust how how meaningful the day is to you and affect like what kind of a, a day you're going to have. Right. I think I'm the type of person, I'm very much an anti-procrastinator. So the sooner mm-hmm. I can get things done is when I'm going to do them. The more I put things off, the more stress it adds to my plate. And I'm very aware of that in myself. And I think what happens is you are planning this huge event and if especially if you're at an age where your friends are also getting married and you see a lot of it on social media it's very easy to see everyone's stress leading up to their wedding day Mm -hmm. and if you're a person who's maybe crossed off your to-do list early like you've gotten all the things done and you followed all the all the to-dos and you've you know you've really heeded the advice of the professionals the awesome professionals that you have on your team you can start to wonder as you hit those final days like why am I not having the same stress that I saw my friend have and you know maybe your friend was a procrastinator and they left a lot of things to the end and if you if you're not it's it's really easy to start with those like self-doubt feelings of like well well, man what maybe I'm forgetting something and maybe I'm forgetting a huge something and what am I supposed to be doing but it's sort of the the nature of the beast that if you sort of tackle all those things early on you don't have to tackle them and stress your brains out those final few days of your wedding so (laughs) I don't know yeah this is not what this episode's about today though guys no, not even in the slightest. But again, it's just something that I've been yep. seeing over the the you know the the last year, the beginning of this year, and it was just I thought it was if I'm starting to see it more, I know that plenty of couples out there are, are dealing with this, and just really not to let it stress you out. Your wedding day is going to be amazing. Just make it what you want it to be. Stick to your guns yeah. and have fun. And if you want an easy checklist to not forget something that's crucial, you need a oh, yeah. you need you need a partner. You need somebody to marry. You need a marriage license to make it legal, and you need someone to marry you. Everything else is a bonus, guys. That's, That's your like three-item three, three yep. item checklist that you need. Everything else is a bonus. And if it doesn't happen, everything else will go on, and things will be fine. Yep. Your wedding day is a luxury, and you can do with it as you please. Yeah. So now on segueing note, back into what today's episode is actually yeah. about, yeah. contracts. We, um, yeah, we told you. Yeah, this is coming. So... This episode has been inspired by the many, many emails that we've received from our listeners who we love and adore that have emailed us with questions about their contracts. It's definitely a a hot topic uh, in terms of questions. Well, before we like really dive into this, I want to just throw out a disclaimer out there and say that we are not lawyers. Um, We do not know the law of things. Uh, We do not know the law of the land. And this episode is meant to really be a guide. Based on our own experiences, it doesn't constitute or serve in place of specific legal advice and does not create any attorney client relationship. The law changes very rapidly, differs from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and is subject to interpretation by the courts. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case. And this episode should not be used as a substitute for the advice of a competent legal counsel. Boom. Nailed it. Dropping some knowledge. Yeah. But here's what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, though, we um, we're speaking from our experience. And mm-hmm. if you have questions on anything um, while we're here to guide you, seek legal counsel um, first yeah. and foremost. So it's like the doctor okay. clause. Like, you know what, what I mean? Like when you work out, like before you start any exercise program, make sure to consult a doctor. Anyway, is that kind of like Santa Claus? <laughs> Anyway, Ooh. dad jokes. <laughs> well, the Santa Claus is a contract. 
And in the good old Tim Allen movie, yeah, he (laughs) entered that contract unknowingly by putting on the suit. Yeah, Bernard showed him that. Uh, That's a good movie. I had I had the biggest crush on that the one young girl elf when that came out. Judy, the hot Coco Judy. Yes. Oh goodness. Okay, who's like forty five? Right, she says (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) Unless she says like 345. Thanks, but I'm seeing someone in packaging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, I finally have a movie quote. Normally, you are the movie quote junkie. Finally had one. Yes. Well done. Point well done. Okay. for Danielle. How did we get to – oh, Santa Claus. God, that's how we got there. Okay. Stay with um, us, folks. Stay with us. <laughs> purposes of a contract. Uh, go, Danielle. Oh, man. So <laughs> – Oh, man. Let's – you know, when you are planning a wedding – Money is being exchanged for goods or services, and when that's happening, a contract should always be in place. The purpose of the contract is is really to outline yeah. what's expected of both sides. Right, exactly. It's it's to outline everything. It's to review payments that are going to be due if um, if there's a trade involved. That's outlined in there when payments are. I don't want to say the trade. It's to review payments that are due, when they're due, like the schedule of your payments. It's also really to protect both the person buying the product or service and and vice versa. What happens if the person on the other end doesn't follow through with what they're going to say? All of that should be outlined. You know, what if what if your caterer doesn't show up? What if your florist um, gets lost. What if you don't pay in time? What if you don't give the information yep. you need? It, it works on both sides. That's that's the whole purpose of your contract to outline that those items clearly, and then everybody signs on the dotted line. Although mine's not dotted. Now that I think about it, mine is a solid line. Solid line. Yeah. But it's solid yeah, line. Solid. Anyway, anyway. Uh, who should you have a contract with? The easy answer: anyone who is providing a product or service on your wedding. Right. So in, in some cases, um, I've been parts of weddings where it's been a friend who has provided the, the service. Maybe their friend is a photographer or a DJ or, or whatever it might be. Even in those cases, guys, I beg you to have some sort of contract in place with that friend that says, here's what I expect of you. Here's what you expect of me. Do we both agree? Yep awesome. This is going to save you a ton of headache down the road. If one of you drops mm-hmm. the ball in either direction, um, it it just sort of outlines it in advance. And I know it can be sticky, especially when you're dealing with friends to say, hey, you know, we need a contract, but it's a big deal. It's your wedding day. And I don't think, I don't think it should be, I, I don't think you should not have some sort of contract. Right. It, I mean, it can be informal, right? But make it make it in writing. Like it doesn't have to be some big thirty-page document with fine print and all that kind of stuff. Right. But just uh, the things that are expected of both parties should be on there, and you both agree to it. Right. And again, we're not lawyers, but in my experience, even having something written in an email is better than like a phone conversation when you're like, "Hey, can you do this? Yeah, great, awesome. See you there." It just getting it in writing is great. And honestly, I have um. I have a caterer that I love and I adore who makes some of the best darn food you've ever had, and they don't have contracts, despite me begging them to. But they're an old school business. They say they work off of a handshake. Um, 
and it is what it is. And I tell all my clients that I've personally never had a bad experience. Um, and their food's amazing. <laughs> That's always what I go back to. But it's a scary thing. I think it's definitely a factor in determining whether or not they work with that specific caterer or another one because mm -hmm. they want to feel protected. But um, I just try to do my best when I am working with that caterer to make sure I send mm -hmm. a bunch of emails. They're great at emailing back. And that way I have something to reference that if something doesn't go quite as we planned it to, that I could say, well, look in this email, this happened. Again, that's never happened. They're a wonderful caterer, but that's just something to think about. Yep. And really the number one rule with all contracts is to read them. Yes. Like you, you please read your agreements. There's no excuses. By signing this agreement, you are literally saying, I have read the above terms and agree with them. Right. Uh, and if you need to know what those terms and conditions and those descriptions um, are, when you're signing about them. Right. And I think, so I, I don't know about you, Dan, but I have like iTunes on all my computers and, you know, we're a big Mac family and I'm constantly getting the new terms and conditions to agree to. And I'll mm. be honest, I don't, I don't click. read them. Right. I just click, yeah. I agree and I move on. Um, maybe that's this a bad thing. Though. Maybe I should admit that on public radio, but that's, okay. <laughs> um, but no, it, this is, this is very different. I really yeah. can't stress to you guys enough to sit down and read through these things. If there's something that you don't understand, never hurts to ask for clarity. Hey, can you explain what this yep. means? Um, and, and going from there, but please read it, please read it. Don't just scroll through and sign at the bottom because at least in my agreement, there's important things in there on timeframes. It mentions my, you know, the hours that I'm available. It mentions, you know, when I need information by it. It mentions so many important things. Granted, I also send them another packet now because I'm realizing so many people don't read the contract. But, you know, there, there's still important stuff in there. Venues especially. Venues have, you know, whether or not you can have, you know, real candle votives in there like these are all things that as you plan your wedding you're going to need to know that information and it's so important yeah um and that goes to say when you're reading it you will then know what is and isn't included in your agreement right, right. you know if you're and like you just said if you're not sure ask for something uh, there's a ton of times where uh couples will contact me and say like okay so what's this whole thing about copyright mm -hmm. who owns the pictures and we're going to talk about that in a little bit but um I have no problem clarifying because this is something that I do for a living. I know this isn't something you do every single day. Um, so that's why I'm happy just to work through it and, and chat and uh, help you understand what some of these things are. Right, exactly. And, you know, for, for most of us, we are not lawyers, as we said, and our, our lawyers have drafted these contracts for us to, mm -hmm. to protect everybody involved. But there's sometimes legal jargon in there that even I have to Google to make sure I'm explaining proper, <laughs> properly. Um, but it's, you know, it's about making sure that you have a, a clear expectation. And in my opinion, that contract should be as detailed as possible. I've yeah. seen, you know, one page contracts. I've seen many, many, many more page contracts. And I, I don't necessarily think that um, you need, you know, to outline the entire details of the day, especially if when you're signing a contract, you don't have that information. But I do think it should say how many people are going to be there, approximately what time they're going to be showing up. And, you know, it, just as an example, if you're working with a florist, um, you know, if your florist agreement says, you know, your bouquet will have white flowers, 
you know, in your bouquet and you're picturing these like lush white peonies or roses, but the bouquet shows up that day with full baby's breath. I mean, according to your contract, it says white flowers, baby's breath or white flowers. So you want to make sure that all of those things are detailed and, you know, you're, there's nothing that can be open to interpretation really. So truth and also watch for clerical errors like dates times locations you don't want your band showing up an hour late because their contract said it started at 7 p.m rather than 6 p.m and please please check the date of your wedding on every single contract right before you sign it whether it's online or whatever write it in there and if it's wrong on the contract write that person back and say it's wrong on the agreement Mm mm-hmm I need you. It's it's this date. Are you still available? Because um, I know I've heard a horror story of uh, a guy who it was it was an old fashioned handwritten contract. They signed it, sent it back, but changed the date at the top of it because it was wrong. But they didn't tell him. So he thought that it was still this other date, but it was actually the uh, you know a, a date like two weeks later, Ooh. and a month before the wedding, he was looking at the agreement, starting to do some. Uh, you know, contacting the couple back and forth, getting the details, come to find out that the date was wrong and he was booked for another wedding on that date. Oh. Um, and it was terrifying. So like, you just got to be super careful. Just check that over yeah. and over and over again. That's super important. Yeah. I did that this week. I sent out a, a contract to a new client that's coming on board who I'm so excited to be working with. And I um, I know the date and I had the correct date for the wedding, but for the rehearsal date, because we're part of that, um, instead of putting the 31st, I made a typo and I put the first, well knowing that the, the, the rehearsal should be on the 31st. I just didn't type the three before the one. So she sent me an email. She's like, I know it's probably not a big deal, but this date is wrong. And I was like, well, it's not a big deal because I know when the date is. I know the rehearsal is the day before, not a month before your wedding. But I don't care. <laughs> We're changing this contract to make sure it's yeah. right for your record. So um, and it was just a typo, but I don't care. We're changing we're changing it yeah. we're getting it fixed because this, the last thing that she would want is to look at that contract you know as we're getting close to the wedding and go oh my gosh Danielle thinks the the, the rehearsals on the first not the 31st <laughs> and anyway yeah it, this happens more often than not so sure. you know really everybody should just check the dates check them through yeah make sure everything is good good to go um so I want to give a little bit of an example um, for this episode on like specific things of what you want to look for in your contract. And I want to specifically talk about venue contracts because actually we recently got an email about this and I just thought it'd be a great time to sort of talk through it in terms of what things you should look for and, and things like that. That's also generally the first thing that people are booking. So I think that's a good right. um, a good example, a good place to start. Yeah. So some things that you want to see in your venue contract, and if not your contract, some sort of paperwork from the venue itself is how long can you have the venue for? Um, are you allowed in there a few hours before your ceremony? Are you allowed in there a few days before your ceremony? This will depend on how much DIY decor you can do and things along those lines. Um, does that time about how long you have this, the, the venue for, does that include setup? Um, are you only allowed on the property a half an hour before, but that's just for photos. You're actually allowed in there much earlier for setup. All these different things. Um, what things are included in your venue rental? Do they include tables, chairs, linens, air conditioning, 
bathrooms. <laughs> Guys, I've worked at venues before where you have to, you're responsible for bringing in portable restrooms. If you sign hmm. the agreement and you think restrooms are included, that ends up being quite a hefty line item at the end of the day that you're now yeah. responsible for bringing in that could blow your budget if you're not careful, if you don't know about it in advance. Um, is there a minimum guest count that you must be responsible for? If you think you're inviting 150 people um, and their minimum guest count is 125 and suddenly you have a whole bunch of people saying no, that you're not able to come to your wedding, your guest list ends up at 100 people, what happens? Do you have to pay for 25 people who are not going to be there for your wedding? What happens in that case? Um, is what happens in case of rain if you are having any bit of your ceremony or cocktail hour or reception that is happening outside what happens in the case of rain what happens in the case of snow what happens in the case of a power outage as we've mentioned on a previous episode um, <laughs> are there any noise ordinances that you need to follow like does does the um, DJ or band need to stop playing at a certain time like if you want your ceremony or your reception rather to go to 1 a.m but the music has to stop at 10 p.m what happens oh, for those last three hours right exactly I mean you could still you could still party it up but you can't have the music playing so that's you know it's a factor um, what are some other ones Dan is there? Um, oh, uh, handicap accessible yes. in all areas. Is a handicap accessible? Um, right. Do you have uh, Do you have to use certain wedding professionals from their list, or can right. you bring in photographers, videographers, florists, whatever from outside? Um, are you required to purchase insurance? Yes. Um, are your liability, vendors right? Liability. Yep. Are your vendors required to send in? Copies. liability insurance yeah. yeah a certificate of insurance essentially right. and do they do you contact your wedding professionals and have them send in or is the venue going to contact them mm -hmm. um are there are there additional fees for cake cutting or the bartenders is tip included that kind of thing mm -hmm. um can your flower girl throw petals can you have a sparkler exit uh i mean that's another thing i'm realizing like that those a sparkler exits huge but there are some venues who will not allow it yeah it's too much of a um, liability to give yep. a bunch of drunk people metal sticks and light them on fire. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Um, how many cars can fit into the parking lot? Yes. Um, what is their staff responsible for setting up? Which I think is a huge one. And I know you have some some interesting stories about sure. that topic. Right. Um, and what types of cleaning are you responsible for after the wedding? Yes. I mean, when it comes to cleaning, you may just have to make sure all of your belongings are out of there. Or you may have to make sure the entire place is swept, cleaned, you know, down to the bathroom so you have to know these things going into it and if it's not any of these things that we mentioned if it's not on the contract and you haven't booked your venue yet and it applies to you i would 100 percent say to reach out to the person you're talking with at the venue and make sure that you have the answers to those questions in advance to make sure they align with what you envision and the plans that you have all right dan so now let's talk about who signs the contract that is an excellent question and we're actually going to tackle that after this short break. We'll be right back. Ooh. You know what really bums me out? That there is a ton of customization available for brides and bridesmaids for their wedding attire. But when it comes to us guys, it seems like we've got way less options. That's why we love the Naughty Tie Company. Not naughty as in naughty, but naughty as in, you know, tying the knot. 
Yeah. Anyway, the Naughty Tie Company has ties, bow ties, and pocket squares that are totally customizable. You can match colors or patterns to things like bridesmaids dresses, flowers, your table linens, or really whatever you'd like. And everything is printed and sewn right in Denver, Colorado, which is nowhere near us here in Philly, but that's not the point. So if you go to NaughtyTie.com slash ring, they are going to hook you up with free design service from one of their amazing designers. That's easily like $20 you're going to save just for being a Put A Ring On A Podcast listener. That's K-N-O-T-T-Y-T-I-E dot com slash R-I-N-G. Welcome back to the Put a Ring on a Podcast. Here we are on episode 27 talking about contracts. So who does sign the contract? That's what we were just about to discuss. Yes, Dan, think, who Danielle? signs the contract? I was wow. going to ask you, who signs the contract? Well, I asked you who signs the contract. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, whomever is responsible for the decisions and ultimately for the whole the whole kit and caboodle, the whole shebang. Right. Um well, let me put it this way. In both my business and your business, Danielle, um, parents don't sign the agreement. The couple signs. Right. And I think for a few reasons, and you can dive into this a little more, but one, ultimately, you know, you as the couple are hiring the photographer, the florist, the venue, the caterer, the coordinator on your affinity for them, for their portfolio, for their personality. It's This whole wedding is generally based on your Wishes. assumptions on your wishes on what you want this experience to be so it makes sense and most contracts are written with that intent that the couple is who is signing the agreement yes so i have a few situations where financially the parents are paying for my services or even grandparents are paying for my services either as a gift or that's just who's financially um, responsible for the wedding um, and what I get asked sometimes is, sh- because my mom's paying for this, should she be the one that signs the contract? And it's always no. I always need, in my experience, well, in my business, I should say, I always need my client, the couple, to sign the contract. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones I'm going to to make the decisions, to have the final answers from them. Otherwise, if mom signs the contract, mom can override the client. And I, um, while I'm always happy to work with moms, I can't have that. Um, it needs to totally. be, it needs to go back to the couple at the end of the day. Yeah, I think, I think it varies by state, but I know that there are some contracts where there's a certain clause that can be written in where the parents can benefit from the agreement because they are paying. But I, again, I think in Pennsylvania, there has to be express, expressed written uh, verbiage that uh, says that they are, because they're paying, they benefit from it. But if it's not expressed in Pennsylvania, they do not benefit from it. But I, again, I believe that that varies by state. Right. That makes sense. Something to look into. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. I know I don't have anything about a third party in my nope. agreement. So yeah, at the end of the day, and again, that just goes back to so that I can't have a family member or someone come up to me and say, oh, actually, the ceremony is at this time instead of this time. I have to go back to my client at the end of the day to make sure what is yep. happening and, and all of that. So <laughs> um, one of the reasons that we decided to do this episode, like I said at the beginning, is because we've gotten a lot of um, emails from our lovely listeners like you that... Yeah that have questions. And a lot of the questions have to do with sort of negotiating certain mm-hmm. terms of the contract. And I'm not a big, 
I'm not a big person on negotiating, mainly because I feel <laughs> like whatever is is being presented to you has been, you know, there's been a lot of research and a lot of a lot of due diligence that brought it to the state that it's in now. Whether that's we hope like there has been right. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so if 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 I'm sort of trying to negotiate with that, I'm sort of saying I don't agree with that or I think this is wrong and and. A lot of the times, if you're working with a tried and true professional, what it is is what it is for a reason. Oh, yeah. That said, um, it never hurts to get further clarity and make sure that, you know, you're reading it correctly and and make sure that everything lines up with the way it should be. But um, one of the things I think we get asked a lot about and Dan I want you to take the the, this one is the copyright. So when you're working with your photographer, it'll often say in that photographer's contract that the photographer owns the photos at the end of the day. And I think to a couple hiring a photographer to capture their wedding, that can be confusing because why does the photographer own my photos that I'm paying for? Totally. Yeah. That's a, that's a confusing term because it just means like legal ownership, you know, who, who owns the picture and with photography, whoever pushes the button is, is the creator is the owner of the picture. Um, now there are circumstances like in the corporate world um, with large companies where they will do like what's called like a full buyout and they will buy the copyright from the photographer for a certain period of time. They will license it. Um, You will be hard pressed though to find a photographer in the wedding world that that sells the copyright. It's just the industry standard is that the, the, the photographer maintains ownership of the copyright. So if I could like break it down in a way that maybe Um, takes the wedding factor out of it. If you were to go to an art gallery and you saw a beautiful picture of a field of daisies and it was, you know, this photographer's work and you purchased that beautiful field of daisies and you placed it on your living room wall, you would own that specific picture and like the physical picture that hangs on your wall, obviously, but you wouldn't own the ability to sell copies of that picture or like you wouldn't suddenly own the copyright to that picture just because you purchased that print. And I think right. with your wedding, it's a similar factor in the sense of you are being given those photos and you can do all these cool things with it based on, you know, whatever your photographer tells you, but you don't own the right to sell them and do all these crazy things with it afterwards. And that's actually a really great uh, segue in that really you have to like look closely at like what the photographer gives you um, and how you can use the photographs because a lot of photographers will give you what's called reproduction rights, which means that you can print them any size, any substrate, any quantity um, until you're like blue in the face. Like you can basically do whatever you want with them for personal uses. But what you cannot do is sell them nor authorize the sale or reproduction of any of the files. So you can't give them to a magazine, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this might be an area of contention with some photographers. Uh, I know that I personally like to try and contact my couples if I'm going to submit a photograph from their wedding for a contest or for magazine submission or something like that. And that was an area that actually uh, uh, one of our listeners had contacted us about and said, hey, you know, what happens if we don't necessarily want the pictures on his blog? Or what happens if we don't, you know, we're nervous about what he's going to do at some point? And I think it's, I personally believe that it's a nice thing because this is somebody's private wedding that you're talking about. These are somebody's private photos. And I think it's important that 
there's still some give and take. Now, legally, I can, you know, a photographer can still do what they want with them. But I think personally, they should contact the couple, the bride, the groom and say, you know, hey, I'm going to do this with these photos. Is it okay? Mm -hmm. Now, know that they can still do it. Uh, if legally they can still submit them to a magazine or whatever. But I think um, that's something that you should talk about with your photographer if that is an area of major concern. Um, I don't th I think posting pictures on a blog, nothing's really going to be harmful. I mean, that's probably how you found them. And if you had a great experience with them, wouldn't you want them to be able to use your wedding to promote themselves so other couples have a great experience with the photographer? But again, you know, I think talking about this with your photographer so that you can come to an area of mutual respect and find something that's mutually beneficial for both parties. Right. I have a few clients that are um, a little bit more private and we've talked before we signed the agreement, we've, we've made a tweak to the contract to say that I wouldn't share any photos that directly showed them at the wedding mm -hmm. and I wouldn't really give yep. away any type of information about them just because um, they're, they're very private and they didn't want that information yep. out. That said, they also realized that how they, why they hired me and how they found me was pictures of work of weddings that I've done and happy clients and so on. So <laughs> they get yeah. it. But so, you know, sometimes it's a matter of maybe the photographer can post photos of your wedding as long as it doesn't reveal any maybe personal details, no photos of you, like where it's very obviously you or mentioning your names or things like that. Cooper chiming in for another episode of Put a Ring on a Podcast. <laughs> Do you agree? Cooper agrees <laughs> with that. Um, so as a planner, I'm not there taking photos of the wedding other than on my iPhone. And, you know, now I share the Instagram stories because, you know, why not? But as a photographer or as a non-photographer, I always sort of rely on the photographer after the wedding if we have a great relationship and they're willing to share those photos with me. I definitely rely on them to send me images of the day that I can share. Um, now, some contracts I'm noticing have that if the person is not a photographer, so a non-photographer contract has that the client agrees to the photographer, to their photographer that will give them photos. I feel like I can't, I didn't say that right. So what I'm trying to say is that by signing your florist contract, for example, you're agreeing that your photographer will automatically send that florist photos. And I feel like that shouldn't be in a contract, first of all, but I feel like it's not the client's um, space to agree to. Like it's, it's, they don't have that. That they don't have away. the legal ability to exactly. be able to give those pictures to the florist. Exactly. Now, I know that a lot of wedding professionals do contact the couple specifically mm -hmm. to get pictures, which, again, I don't believe that it's within the legal capability of the couple to give those photos out to another business who will then use those pictures for commercial gain. Right. Um, I believe, and this is, you know, if there's any other wedding professionals out there listening, I, uh, I think definitely check with the photographer first right. rather than the couple. Right. Um, and I think this also falls a little bit on some photographers because I know that photographers, I don't know if they have a great reputation of like sharing. putting wedding pros first and sharing. Um, I try to do that as much as I possibly can because, you know, I, I know that I'm in a position of power essentially by being able to photograph some, you know, this work for these people to put in their portfolio. Right. So I like to help out. But yeah, definitely 
check on that and look uh, again. This goes back to reading your agreements. Yes. Um, check with your photographer on that before you start agreeing yes. to that clause in somebody else's agreement right. contract. I have that clause in there, but it states that if the photographer gives me permission to use their photos, then then you're saying that I can use your photos basically. So that's, yeah. that's how I word it, um, which seems to work out sense. well. That way, if the client, if the photographer is not sharing photos, the client is not somehow responsible for changing that photographer's mind. So, and yeah. I think, um, I think what it comes down to, and I could see the argument why um, you as the couple wouldn't want your photos shared publicly. But again, keep in mind that if you went to my website, Dan's website, any, any professional's website, and you didn't see a single photo of any work they've ever done, you would step back and go, huh, what's, what's going on there? Have they maybe not done a wedding before? So that's why we have those photos and it's, it's for, it's part of our portfolio work. And, um, and, and that's what it comes down to. It's not that we just want to exploit your wedding by any means for our own like personal gain. It's it's that's how we show our work and it shows who we are and that's how we attract other awesome couples like that wedding that we were a part of. So, <laughs> um, and another thing that is negotiable um, in this kind of same line is a, a photo release or what's also called a model release. Right. Yes. Um, and a lot of wedding pros uh, use photos like you were saying for marketing for advertising um but you you have a reasonable right should you have a reasonable right to decline or modify this you, you totally can approach that wedding pro and ask them for um a way a to tweak. amend this a, right. a tweak a tweak right. oh i like that tweak this can we tweak this <laughs> next that we're going to talk about force majeure force majeure force Majeure is French for superior force. Continue, Danielle. <laughs> so, force majeure. So there force is. Force majeure. Yep. Force majeure. So there's a clause. Force majeure. <laughs> I don't think that's how you say it. But Dan just looked it up, guys, and this is how he's saying it. Force. I think it's force majeure. But I can't say any other language with any accent it was, for the life of me. It was French people. Right. It is French. Saying the word. Right. That you just listened to. Yeah. Good job. So, yeah. So, there's a clause, a force majeure clause. Oh, I got to stick to English. And, and like he said, he, it's it's French for superior force. But it's um, it's a contract provision that basically relieves each party from performing their contractual obligations when certain circumstances that are really beyond their control come up. So um, it makes their what they're able to do either inadvisable or impractical, illegal, or just flat out impossible. Illness, injury, acts of God. That's what yes. I, I see a lot. Yes, yeah, that's contracts. a great way to put it. So in my opinion, this clause should really go both ways um, yep. in the sense that if 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 me as a professional can't fulfill my duties that the client, um, that I become physically unable to perform what I've said I was going to do, that that protects me and vice versa. If the client becomes physically unable to do what they need to do, that there is an understanding there that you're not going to attack that person one way or the other. Um, I feel as though the 
this clause should go both ways. But there yeah. are certain contracts that only have um, that only protect the professional, not the client. I totally agree with you that um, the force majeure clause should be <laughs> <laughs> should cover both parties. But I definitely think that there's um, a, a subsection of that clause uh, where it'd be like safe working conditions or or harassment or anything like that, where if the wedding professional uh, feels that their life is in danger, that they're in a non-safe working environment or they're being sexually harassed or something, um, then they have the legal ability to leave the event. Mm -hmm. Simply said. From the situation. Does that fall yeah. under the force majeure clause though? Or is that a separate I clause? It, I think it might be a separate clause because I have something right. like that in my agreement and I know that they're like close to each other on the agreement. <laughs> Near the same, <laughs> close the same font size. Um, yeah. Yeah, and... <laughs> Keep in mind that if you're the person that you're working with isn't down with making the force majeure amicable to both people, that that's why things like uh, wedding day insurance and cancellation insurance, that's why they exist. Because if you are um, working with a caterer and a week before your wedding, the um, you find out that the wedding has to be canceled for a reason that's far beyond your control. Um, yeah. If your caterer comes to you and says, well, per our agreement, because of how close we are to the wedding, you're still, you still owe this money. It may be a substantial amount of money. Um, oh, yeah. And if that's what your agreement says, that's what your agreement says. That's why things like wedding day cancellation insurance exist. Um, I will link to two that I always highly recommend in the show notes, but they are WedSafe and WedSure. Um, both are both are good companies that offer that, that if something were to happen um, and you're still on the hook financially for something, that that's where they come into play. You know, and that actually uh, leads right into something that I wanted to talk about, which is red flags, like how mm -hmm. you know that there are areas for concern. Like if you see um, that your contract doesn't outline specifics like dates, locations, general timeframes, that's definitely a red flag. You you would want to approach the wedding professional and say, hey, can we add these to the agreement? And if they say no, or if you just, you know, are, are starting to get a weird feeling, move on. Right. And we're going to talk about that more in a little bit. But another mm -hmm. red flag would be if there's no clause or no talk about what happens in the case of either you canceling their services or them canceling their services on you. Um, there should be an outline in there as to what happens if you need to cancel them and what happens if they need to cancel you, which does happen. Yeah, and this one, this next one actually boggles my mind. If a contract says you must or aren't allowed to review their work following the wedding, that's, that's an issue. Yes. Um, the review should be 100% optional and uh up to you um as long as it's truthful yeah I, i've yeah i've seen contracts that either tell the couple that you are not allowed to review our work in any sort of public forum um hmm. and i've seen contracts that say you have to review our work um following the Interesting. wedding and it's it's really not okay like a, leaving a review should be 100 percent optional um yep. and as like i said as long as it's truthful i in my opinion it's well within your right it's like going to a restaurant and before they sit you down they say i'm sorry but whatever your experience here is you can't talk about it or yeah. you must like by dining here you agree that you have to leave a review of your experience it's weird yeah i i love it when couples review me because oh, like absolutely 
if if they remove me, that's that's amazing. Um, but I also like to know that like a little bit is out of my control. That somebody could you know talk very candidly about my experience. But that's the whole point. Right. Is that I want people to tell them about my experience and how amazing I was as a photographer, how amazing I was you know through the process. Like that's the whole point. That's why right. most wedding review collecting sites you you can't remove anything yep. from it i you mean just as a principle which kind of sucks for some companies who like have had fake reviews yes uh, people who they've never worked with but again i mean you know uh I, I think that's part of part of the deal of just being in a professional uh services setting where people can review you and have your name out there in a public way right absolutely um, another red flag is if there's no payment schedule, no talk of mm -hmm. what you owe or when you owe it. Yep. And don't sign anything until it says what it's supposed to. Yes. So like, you know, unless, until you have ironed out all these things that we've talked about and all the red flags that we have talked about, mm -hmm. don't sign a single thing. Yes. Um, you know, we all, we all want to believe that everybody has, you know, your best interest and in, we all want to work on good faith. Um, but you know, when there's, money involved and services are being rendered you want it to be up to the standard that you hopefully set so don't sign anything until everything is a-okay yep all the all the i's are dotted and t's are crossed and don't let them say oh we'll just sign it and we'll fix it afterwards <laughs> respectfully say i would be much happier waiting um a few extra days if need be to get this fixed and make sure that we are both on the same correct page cool so uh, before we wrap up this episode, I want to talk about what happens if you sort of can't come to a mutual agreement, if you are looking to have something tweaked or or whatever the case may be. Um, in my opinion, you have every, every, every right not to sign a contract and therefore find another vendor for that for that service, just as much as the vendor you're working with has every right not to change their contract. Yep. Do you agree, Dan? Yeah. Okay. I do. So what I mean is even if you approach the situation very respectfully and what you're asking feels reasonable to you, if the vendor you're working with says, I'm sorry, but we can't do that, just as they have every right to say that, you have every right to say, well, then unfortunately, I think we're not going to be a good fit and I need to find mm -hmm. somebody else. I think that's that's yep. all it comes down to. Yeah. And in the same way, uh, wedding professionals can can say the same thing to you. I don't think yeah. we're going to be a good fit. We should, yeah. you know, go on to somebody else. It's a business transaction um, to start. Uh, and, you know, f we've talked about this all the time, you know, get the warm and fuzzies going um, and, and find a good connection. And that connection uh, extends to the contract. Try to be respectful and open-minded, and that goes both sides, but try to be respectful and open-minded and come to a reasonable solution that's good for everybody. Right, exactly. I think you have to keep in mind what you're asking can't put them in a cruddy position and vice versa. Yeah. There, there has to be respect all around, and if not, like we said, it's okay to move on and work with someone else. And listen to your gut, and yes. you know, if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. <laughs> right. We we definitely received um, an email from a person who was just having a really hard time with one of her vendors that she was she wanted to work with, but she just felt like she was getting a lot of pushback and um, they weren't really giving her what she wanted and they, you know, vice versa, I guess. And eventually, I think we ended up just telling her maybe they're just not the right person for you. And that's OK. Yeah. There's there's other people that provide really great services and products that You'll yep. find a good fit. And if you're starting off um, your relationship 
on this like really wonky footing of sort of butting heads and and feeling like you know one person is taking advantage of the other person it's it's tough to 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 go forward from there without having that in the back of your mind that like oh i have to deal with them you know you don't want that feeling yeah you definitely don't want that feeling coming into a day that's supposed to be carefree yeah and all about the love yeah so to wrap up this episode, uh, thanks for listening. Head over to the putteringonapodcast.com website um, to check out show notes uh, and keep update on season three. Yes, and we definitely want to give another special thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Tackboard, the online wedding gallery driven by text, and our season sponsor, Naughty Tie Co., um, which offers those custom ties, bow ties, and really cool pocket squares. Send us your wedding story at 267-521-2686 or visit putteringonapodcast.com slash contact. We are here. We are ready to help. Uh, our advice is free. And we just love to um, share some knowledge, drop some knowledge, and be there for you guys whenever you need us. Yeah. And you might even inspire a future episode like this one. So, Ooh. yeah. And don't forget, give us some love on Facebook. Leave us a review on iTunes. We can't do this without your love and support. So, Yeah. Have a great day, and we will see you soon. See ya. Okay, so how about this one? So why did Snoop Dogg need an umbrella? Why? <laughs> Faux drizzle. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs>